0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: We have to fight for grace. It's a battle for grace because the enemy and the proud human heart is always gravitating toward a works righteousness, which is a self-righteousness, which rejects the righteousness that God provides through Christ. So we have to fight against this. Every generation has to fight against this.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 through 6 in a message titled, Standing Firm in Freedom. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: Once again today we're looking at that theme of grace and we're looking at Paul's uh, exhortation to stand firm in that grace which he refers to here as the freedom or the liberty. So so Paul has argued that we are free from slavery to the law. Now now of course Jesus came to set us free from sin and we're going to be talking about that as we as we move forward in the epistle but Paul's emphasis up until this point has been the, the freedom from, from the law or the, or the freedom from a legalistic perspective or an attempt to approach God through a legal system. So he, he's been arguing that we're free from that. And what that really comes down to is that we are free from that ever-present burden that accompanies the idea that acceptance with god is based on our performance that that's what we've been set free from that idea that that god accepts us if we perform well and that's true in regard to salvation we're not accepted by god because of our performance we're accepted by god because of the performance of another right jesus christ he he's the one who kept the law and we are accepted by God through our faith in him. But the same thing in principle applies to us even as now as believers, as we seek to to follow the Lord and to live for him, um, our, our acceptance with him is still based upon grace. It's not based upon our performance. In other words, it's not that, you know, if you have a good week spiritually, God really loves you and he really accepts you and you can really expect his blessing. But if you have a you know, kind of a bad week, then forget it. You know, don't, don't be expecting any blessing from God. If we think that way, it just, it's an indicator that we're still thinking in terms of this performance-based acceptance. So we stand in the freedom of full acceptance with God through our faith in Christ alone. That's the, that's the gospel. That's the teaching of the New Testament. And so now Paul, having stated that, having spent the last two chapters of Galatians establishing that truth, he now says, stand firm in this. Stand fast. Hold on to this. Don't, don't be moved away from this. Don't let anybody uh, push you in in the opposite direction of this. And then he adds... And do not be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. Do not be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. You know, it's, it's been a battle all throughout the history of the church. It's been a battle to not become entangled in bondage to, to legalism, to, to religious ritual, to man-made rules and things like that. It's been a battle all throughout the church. It was, it was the battle... To a large degree, it was the battle that Jesus fought when he came. You know, when you look at the gospel records, as you will know, anybody that's read the gospels, you, you realize that the, the greatest opposition to Jesus was not from the pagans. It wasn't even really from the Romans The greatest opposition to Jesus was from the Jews and particularly the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders. That's where the the fierce opposition to Jesus came from. And what were they doing? They were resisting the gospel. They were resisting this idea of the grace of God. And so Jesus uh, had to fight against that, his entire ministry. And so likewise, we have to guard ourselves against the attempts of others to bring us into bondage to man-made rules. It's a battle that we fight over and over and over again in each and every generation in the church. But let me just refresh your memory in regard to the battle that Jesus fought in just a, just a few examples. Remember the, the time when Jesus was with his disciples and they were they were walking through a grain field and his disciples, as they were walking along and as they were, you know, talking together, a few of the disciples reached out, plucked off part of the grain and began to, to chew on it. And this was a cause for great concern among the Pharisees. They accused uh, the disciples of being lawbreakers at this point. Now, I don't know if they jumped out from behind the you know, the bushes or what, but I mean, you know, they, they found out about this, this great infraction of the law and they were quick to point out that these followers of Jesus, they were, they were breaking the law as far as they were concerned. Now, the law that they considered them to be breaking was the Sabbath law. And now here's the Sabbath law as stated in the scripture. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall work. On the seventh day you shall do no work. That's the Sabbath law. There's various other ways that it's worded, but it, essentially that's what it is. But these guys, they took that simple law, "You shall do no work on the Sabbath day," and they developed what what became a a written code that filled thirty nine volumes on what that actually meant. So. At the time of Jesus, it wasn't codified, but it was all in their tradition. So in their tradition, because the law had said, you shall not work on the Sabbath, of course, uh, harvesting your crops on the Sabbath would would qualify as working. But because these guys snapped a piece of grain, as they were walking through the grain field, they accused them of harvesting and thus working and thus breaking God's Sabbath day law. So that's one example. Then here's another one. The occasion in the synagogue where there was a woman in the synagogue, and she had been bound for 18 years with this infirmity that kept her her bent over. So she couldn't stand up right. And she was in this condition for 18 years. So she comes into the synagogue. Jesus knows her plight and he heals her. And at the synagogue, of course, it happened to be on the Sabbath day. So he heals her. And there's all this rejoicing that's taking place. And understandably, I mean, this is wonderful. This woman is freed from this burden. It's, it's a great miracle of God. And as the people are rejoicing in this, suddenly the attendant of the synagogue stands up and says, wait a second, this is all wrong. Stop the rejoicing. We don't care about this miracle today. What we really care about is that the law has been broken because there are six days in which a man can work. And so come on one of those days to be healed, but don't come on the Sabbath to be healed. This is crazy. He said this in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus, you know what he did? He said, you hypocrite. Jesus called him out. He said, you hypocrite. If, if you had one of your animals, if your, if your donkey fell into a pit on the Sabbath day, wouldn't you pull the donkey out? Of course you would. How much more valuable is a person? And if you're going to take care of an animal on the Sabbath day, shouldn't you take care to help a person on the Sabbath? But this is the kind of thing that Jesus had to fight against. This is the kind of thing that Paul was battling against with the the false teachers that had come to Galatia. They, they were doing the same kinds of things to the Galatians. So let's just kind of paint the picture. They're the Galatians. They're former pagans. They're idol worshipers. They've come to faith in Jesus. They're following the Lord now. They're loving God. They're enjoying life. It's all good. God's working among them. And the, the Judaizers show up, these, these false teachers. Paul's gone now. The Judaizers show up and they look around and they see all that joy and they say, oh, oh, this is wrong. No, this, this isn't good because, wait, what, what about the law? How many of you are circumcised here? Well, we're Gentiles. We're, we're not circumcised. Oh, well, that's it right there. You know, you're not circumcised. You're not, you're not really right with God. And the saddest part of it all is the Galatians bought it. They bought right into it. But this is the kind of stuff that Paul is is fighting against here. And so he's he's exhorting them in these first two verses. He's exhorting them, don't let this happen to you. He's telling them, stand firm in the liberty. Stand firm. Literally, the the wording here is literally stand firm. Stand firm in the freedom with which Christ has set you free. And do not be entangled again in this yoke of bondage. And if if a person is going to stay out of this kind of bondage, we're going to have to resist it. We're going to have to push back on it. We're going to have to say, no, that's not right. And I've said this before as we've been studying through this. You know, we have to fight for grace. It's, it's a battle for grace because... The enemy and the proud human heart is always gravitating toward a, a works righteousness, which is a self-righteousness, which rejects the, the righteousness that, that God provides through Christ. So we have to fight against this. Every generation has to fight against this because the Pharisees and their descendants are alive and well in the church today. See, these things don't change. It just goes from, from generation to generation. Throughout the ages, you have the same kinds of battles. And just like that, that joy-killing hypocrite guy in the synagogue that uh, just couldn't stand to see people happy and joyful and rejoicing in what God was doing and had to throw a, you know, a wet blanket on it, there's, there are people that will do that today as well. And this is a long time ago, but uh, I think back to some of the stories uh, I've heard from the early days of, you know, when God did an amazing work in the region here and this church kind of came into existence in many ways. I mean, it existed before, but, you know, many of the young people in the culture were coming in and they were coming out of that background as, as, you know, the, the counterculture, the hippies and all of that. And God was doing a wonderful work. And, and many people were rejoicing. They were so thankful. But, you know, there were those people walking around with their notepad, taking note on all the things that were wrong. And why, well, you know, what are you so excited about? I mean, look at how, look at how these people look. Uh, you know, look at their hair, look at their clothes, or look at the, you know, the fact that they're not wearing shoes, or, you know, these kinds of things. So here's this wonderful thing God is doing that everybody should be rejoicing in, but you would find some Pharisees here and there that just, you know, they couldn't see the blessing of what God was doing. All they could see was that rules were being broken. Traditions were being violated. We don't do things like that around here. So, but today we, we've got the same thing. We have the same thing happening today. God is working in certain places and he's working in ways that are maybe un familiar to or, or ways that people aren't comfortable with. So rather than looking beyond the things that they're uncomfortable with, that aren't really biblical things so much, they're, they're certainly not essential things, and and just being able to rejoice and say, you know, thank God for what he's doing, all they can do is focus in on the, the negative part of it, you know, it, rather than Praise God that these young people are coming to faith, that they're coming out of sin, that they're coming out of darkness, that they're now following Jesus. And, you know, but, but no, but they're, they're not doing it this way or they're doing these things. And, and we don't approve of that. And, and you still have that, that spirit very strong today. So this is the thing Paul is talking about here. He says, resist it, essentially. Don't be entangled in this. You, you've got to stand firm in the freedom with which Christ has made you free. You have to fight for freedom. Now, having said that, in the next few verses, verses two through four, Paul is going to once again emphasize the fact that this is an either-or proposition. It is either grace or it is law. It cannot be both. And the the Judaizers, of course, they were Kind enough to allow for faith in Christ, but faith in Christ alone wasn't sufficient. And Paul is showing here in these next few verses that Christ and the law are mutually exclusive in regard to how it is that we are saved. And so look what he says in verse two. He says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Let me just stop for one second there. Circumcised. You know, there's no doubt some people here are going, what in the world are we talking about? What is circumcised? What has that got to do with anything? Well, circumcision was the sign of the covenant that God gave to Abraham. It was the indicator that his descendants were, were part of the covenant that God made with him. And cir- circumcision is a symbolic rite. And it is symbolic of the, the old life, the dead, useless, sinful life being cut away so that, you know, real life can, can come forth. A baptism is sort of the New Testament version of circumcision. Among the Jews, it was circumcision. Among believers, it's, it's baptism. So when you're baptized, what you're saying is that my old life, my old sinful life is gone, buried, dead and buried. That's, that's, that's what baptism is about. And now as you come up from the water, you're coming up with a, the newness of life. So for the Jews, circumcision was that. That was the indicator that you were part of the covenant And so this is the thing that the Judaizers are imposing on the Galatians. Now, remember, the Galatians aren't Jews, they're Gentiles. And so there was no such right for the most part among the Gentiles. And of course, when Paul leads them to Christ, he knows that there's no need to circumcise them because the circumcision has to do with the old covenant. So he says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you, and he emphasizes his, his, own person here for a reason. And the reason is this. Remember, Paul was an apostle at the present time. But before he was an apostle, remember, Paul was not just a Jew. Paul was a Pharisee. He was part of that group of guys that opposed Jesus when Jesus was here. He was part of that group. So he was one of these Jews who was more strict, more devout, more devoted, more committed than anybody else was. There was, you know, in in the time of Jesus in Israel, there were approximately only 600 Pharisees. So this is a very elite group of people. Paul was part of that group. And he was a scholar. He was a legal scholar in regard to Uh, the law of God. So my point is this, if anybody knew about circumcision, Paul knew about it. So he said, listen, forget what these guys are saying to you. I, Paul, am telling you. You want to talk about circumcision? I'll tell you about circumcision. If you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. And then verse four, you have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. So these are very stern words that Paul uses here. And this goes back to what he said earlier about his doubt as to whether they had really embraced the gospel. He believed that they did, he hoped that they did, but because of their behavior, he's wondering did they really embrace the gospel? So he's telling them here very clearly that you can't have both the gospel and the law. You can't mix these two together. John Stott, in his commentary on Galatians, he said this, and I think it explains it well. He said, to seek to be justified by law is to fall from grace, quoting Paul in verse 4. He says, you cannot have it both ways. It is impossible to receive Christ thereby acknowledging that you cannot save yourself, and then receive circumcision, thereby claiming you can. You have got to choose between a religion of law and a religion of grace, between Christ and circumcision. You cannot add circumcision or anything else for that matter to Christ as necessary to salvation because Christ is sufficient for salvation in himself. If you add anything to Christ you lose Christ. Salvation is in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. That's what Paul is saying. You can't blend the two together. And so again, Paul is calling them to stand firm in the freedom with which Christ has made them free, but he's giving them a strong exhortation here telling them that if you try to mix the law in with this, you nullify grace. You nullify grace, you put yourself under obligation to the entire law. It's it's not just, if you're going to go the the root of the law, then remember, you're going to have to keep the entire law. You're going to have to keep the whole thing. Circumcision is just where it starts. But you're going to have to keep the whole thing. And then he says, if you're approaching it this way, you've actually fallen from grace. So you've put yourself outside of the realm of grace. Now, in their case, again, Paul's questioning the validity of their conversion. But at the same time, he's hopeful that they are genuine believers. So he's going to speak to them uh, like they are. But, but he's, he's giving them some strong exhortation here to show them just how serious the issue is to try to blend these two things. But for us, even though we might be clear on the justification issue in other words we're we're clear that we're not saved by our works we're saved by faith in Jesus we don't believe that it's faith in Jesus plus adding you know something to it for the most part i would assume that we all agree on that we understand that but we also have to recognize that 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 same truth and principle applies to how we move forward in our christian lives after we have been saved you see The mistaken idea is that I get saved through grace, but then I go on in my Christian life by adding the law. Not so. The law brings us to Christ. The law is finished at that point. What happens now that we've come to Christ? The Spirit takes over our lives. And that's what Paul is going to go on. And that's what he's going to say in the remaining verses here. So in verse five, Paul really, in this one little verse here, he describes the difference between those who are trusting solely in Christ for salvation versus those who are trying to add the component of the law. He's making a contrast. So look what he says in verse five. He says, for we through the spirit. So this is the first key, the spirit.
0: month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. If you've ever pondered if there is really only one way to God, or if all religions ultimately lead you to God, then this book is for you. Rebecca McLaughlin addresses this very topic and others that confront Christianity head on. The book Confronting Christianity is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443 That's 1-800-733-6443 Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from pastor brian as we study together in the book of galatians back to basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of calvary chapel costa mesa california
1: hi this is cheryl and Brian Broderson And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th. And this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian, you and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem, or Caesarea, yep. or Mount, Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. We are so excited about this Israel trip because we absolutely love going to Israel. So we'd love to have you join us October 23rd through November 4th, 2022. And you can find more information at israel.cccm.com. We'd love to have you join us.